Someone's got it in for me The planting star is in the press Whoever it is, I wish they'd cut it out When they will, I can only guess Hello, and welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Around here, we talk a lot about the tools that yoga offers to help us stay resilient to help us stay present and healthy in this mad, 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 mad world. And although I'm sure there have always been politics and there have always been corruption, like I'm like since the dawn of time, I don't know that yoga was really intended to be used for collective liberation as much as it was for individual liberation. And it certainly was never intended to be used to garner a huge Instagram following. So what is yoga for? What does it mean to attain individual liberation? For this, we turn to Patanjali and his famous Yoga Sutras. Uh, Yoga Sutra is one of the classical texts of the foundations of yoga philosophy. And just a little background, Yoga Sutras were compiled, and I say compiled because like any really ancient text, we don't necessarily believe that like one dude sat down and wrote a whole bunch of stuff, right? It's like oral history, oral history, oral history, little things coming together. Yoga sutras were compiled prior to 400 CE, CE common era, which is really AD, which is after death, which is like a really weird way to talk about time. Anyway, they're super old, uh, compiled by a sage named Patanjali and The Yoga Sutras of Patanjali is, I think, maybe the most translated ancient Indian text of the era. It kind of went away for 700 years or so from after the 12th century and then kind of came back in the 19th century and the 20th century. And uh, Wikipedia actually calls it a comeback classic. If you're interested in a little fall reading, try the comeback classic the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. Sutra 2.2 states, the goal of yoga is not to obtain something that is lacking. It's the realization of an already present reality. Yoga practice removes the obstacles that obstruct the experience of samadhi or the state of complete absorption. So I'll link to that translation just so you can refer to it if you so choose. But what we're talking about then is that yoga is not used to get something, it's used to remove something. So remove the obstacles and obtain liberation. Sounds like a good plan. How do we remove obstacles? What are the obstacles? That is where we start to talk about the kleshas. Use that word or not, these are the obstacles. The five kleshas or obstacles are ignorance, egoism, attachment, aversion, and clinging. So we'll go through those one by one. Today, we'll talk about only one of them. Ignorance, egoism, attachment, aversion, and clinging. I mean, those pretty much cover all of the vices, yeah? So let's dive a little bit into the idea of ignorance, which I happen to think is super apropos for our current state in this country. We start with ignorance because it's the one that kind of leads to everything else. Everything else falls out of ignorance. If we don't 
know or if we're seeing things in the wrong way, making assumptions, then there's no way we can get to truth, right? This is why two people yelling at each other on Facebook who have opposing viewpoints rarely ever can come to an agreement because they're both under some certain underlying assumptions, right? There's a little bit of ignorance on both parts. Usually, um, I happen to think that my side's more right, but you know, others don't. Avidya is a Sanskrit word. That's the word for ignorance. Misconception, misunderstanding, incorrect knowledge, it all falls out of that. Avidya is a fundamental kind of blindness about the real reality. So in this definition, it's less about a lack of information and more about the inability to experience truth in a deep way. So not feeling your deep connection to others, to the source of being, to your true self. And that might show up as judgment. So that's kind of interesting, right? Let's connect those dots. How does ignorance in this sense happen? How does it show up? Before we get to that, I do want to pause for station identification to say thank you for listening to the Yoga for the Revolution podcast. I want to welcome any new listeners. I know some folks are coming from well aware. So hello and welcome. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. Please do rate us if you are so inclined. It is incredibly helpful when it comes to the mysterious algorithms of the world and it helps me reach more people. You could also tell a friend. You can always find all our back episodes and all our future episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. You can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution or follow on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r. And of course, look for Yoga for the Revolution on Instagram. I still have never posted like a bikini beach yoga posture shot. So you could hold your breath for that if you like. I don't think it's going to happen. So how does ignorance happen? Is it just lack of education, lack of awareness? Luckily, this is all broken down for us in the sutras. So we'll tackle it one by one. One, mistaking the impermanent for the permanent. We have a nasty habit of thinking things are permanent. Everything from our jobs and our relationships to the structure of society and our environment itself. And this is a huge source of suffering. We think things are one way and should stay that way. Where in reality, everything changes and nothing stays the same. So politically, white men have been in power in the U.S. for 200 years or so. They think it should stay that way. Not everyone agrees. Suffering. There's clean water for most people in the country. We assume this is permanent. We will be sad when we realize this is temporary. I used to have a full-time job. Then I didn't. Now I'm freelance. Suffering comes with that adjustment. Not big suffering. Just a little. Right? I used to be 25, I looked 25, now I'm not, and I don't. In general, that doesn't bother me, but some people really suffer with the illusion of permanence. That's why Botox was invented. Everything changes and nothing stays the same. Making assumptions about what should be, based on our assumptions that what's changeable is unchangeable, causes suffering. That's ignorance. Number two mistaking the impure for the pure. This one is so sneaky and so devious. 
the best way for me to kind of clearly see this is really to think of almost any ideology. I can't today talk about our current government because I just, I can't right now because I will either cry or throw something. And while both of those may be appropriate responses, it will take us a little too far off track here in this present moment. I'm going to choose to go back to W. President George W. Bush, or even the GOP in general before this crazy Lord of the Flies bullshit that's our current Congress. President Bush, and I believe this, really thought for the most part that he was doing the right thing. He prayed to God. He thought purportedly that he had the best interests of the people at heart for the majority of his presidency. Noble, pure, many people disagreed, thought that his motives maybe were not as pure or that the actions emanating from them were not pure. But you can disagree with people without them being horrible people, right? He mistook, in my opinion, the pure for the impure, the impure for the pure. Let's look at it a different way. Mistaking the impure for the pure. This happens in religion all the time, capital R, religion. Religious war, killing in the name of God. That's mistaking the impure for the pure. That's saying, I'm right, you're wrong, And I believe it so hard that there's no room for life or compromise. Perhaps less deadly. Think of people who mean well, but hurt your feelings anyway. By asking about the promotion you're not going to get, or the kids you can't have, or the heterosexuality you don't practice, or whatever. They assume that wherever it is they're coming from is right and pure and good, without fully understanding what that means for you. Again, you can bring this to the level of yoga and the wellness world too. Some people are, for example, nutrition zealots, right? If you have any awareness of the wellness world, you'll see this. But is really eating only smoothies or like only bone broth actually pure? Is doing aerobic yoga daily pure? Maybe, certainly for some, but not for others. Mistaking the impure for the pure. It doesn't make someone an asshole, just ignorant. Moving on. Three, mistaking pain for pleasure. (sighs) Oh, guys, can I just say that most of my 20s and like a good chunk of my 30s was spent here? I used to wait tables in a faux Irish pub in Boston. Shout out to the Kinsale, Kinsale Irish Pub and Restaurant, Government Center. And I would work a shift or a double, taking breaks to smoke a cigarette, eating french fries dipped in ranch dressing. And when my shift was over, we'd all drink. If I wasn't working, I'd meet my boyfriend at the corner bar. Shout out to the James Gate and JP. And we'd stay there until the chairs were turned upside down on the tables. I spent years not working what other people would think of as a real job. Again, that has nothing to do with anything. But in that time, I was also treating my body and my heart like it belonged to someone I didn't like very much. And it was fun. I thought it was pleasure, right? I thought I was like being young and living my life. And I was really drawn to those immediate pleasures. I don't need to go into the pain I thought pleasure was in my 30s because I'd like to protect the innocent. But so many of us do this without even thinking about it. And it's not just when we're young and we think we're going to live forever. We do this daily. You might think that second cup of coffee is a pleasure. Or you think that dessert is pleasure. Or you think that relationship is pleasure or that job. But not knowing the difference between pleasure and pain, that's ignorance. I'm not saying... Everyone has to behave perfectly all the time. Have a donut if you want one or a smoothie for that matter. But know what you're choosing. 
Pay attention to what is actually pleasurable and what is habit or what isn't actually doing you any good. This is an aside, small exercise. I went to therapy at one point for a couple of years because I couldn't figure out why my life was where it was when I wanted it to be somewhere else. And my therapist gave me this exercise. Just go about your day. Don't change anything. But when something feels good, write it down. And when something doesn't feel good, write that down too. And I thought that was dumb. I was like, what do you mean? I mean, I really, it's like, it felt like a really silly, frivolous exercise. But you know what I realized? Bunch of stuff that I thought was stuff I should be doing or stuff that was good actually didn't make me feel good. And then I was able to decipher and identify, ah, this stuff makes me feel good. This stuff doesn't. I was then able to learn, for me, on a certain level, the difference between pain and pleasure. Number four, mistaking the non-self as the self. You think you know who and what you are, but what Patanjali is asking you to do is reconsider that notion. And when I say you, I mean us, all of us, me too. You think your job is who you are. You think this identity you've built around yourself, all these external things are you. I mean, we do this thing, humans, all of us, where we think we are our things and our jobs and our houses and our politics and even our emotions. But if you were on a little plot of land with food and water and no one around for miles, maybe no one around forever, no phone, no choice between shopping at Walmart or shopping at the grocery co-op, no identifiers, then who would you be? Would you be a yogi, a Democrat, a Catholic? What do those definitions even mean? What yoga philosophy posits is that we are not these things. Not really. We are pure soul, Atman. The self-soul is not identified or changed by anything external. And to believe otherwise is ignorance. And we're all guilty of that, which is one way that yogic philosophy is aspirational. Ignorance is part of the human condition. And yet to strive for something else, for truth, for purity of soul, is also human. So let's strive to be human. Try to be a little more aware of how we may be ignorant of assuming or opining about what is right or pure for us and others, about what is good and pleasurable, about who we are. G.I. Joe said it best, knowing is half the battle, or at least questioning what we think we know. I don't think G.I. Joe said that part, but until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day.